I did it again. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I am so happy to have you here with me today. I have uh, a special guest that are that's coming with us today. We're going to Skype him in in just a few minutes. Uh, I hope that you will uh, give me a little bit of grace in in all of this, as I'm going to be trying to do this all by myself. And uh, man, I just I'm I'm very excited about what we have going on here. I think. Um, I think I have to do something here really quick. For some reason, um, the sound is not working for me. Oh, of course not. And of course, JC is not here. <sighs> why, 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 why? Okay, let me, let me see if I can do this. Can you all have patience with me for just one second? I don't, I don't know why this isn't working. Um, Maybe I, maybe I have to change, change my earplugs. <laughs> I promise. I promise. Let me see. Ah, here we go. It was working. <laughs> it was working. My headphone was not working. Thank you so much for your patience and grace with me. I told you, I told you, promise promise that you will will give me a break whenever I'm I'm driving the submarine by myself. Uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being a partner with the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Thank you for your support. And most of all, thank you for sharing what you learn here. Uh, otherwise, we're just sort of a voice in the wilderness, but you give our voice life. I also want to remind you down there, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we now have the Super Chat option. Another way you guys have, many of you have asked, how do we support the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal? You can support the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, obviously, by uh, texting IMPACT2020 to 33777. Impact 2020-233777. You can also donate at chrisannhall.com. But we have the new Super Chat on on uh, YouTube, and you can donate there as well. And everything that you do helps us stay on the air, helps us be able to do what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, come on, Richard. Don't tease me. Richard Kramer said, JC's not going to be here. I'm out of here. <laughs> Don't leave me, JC. Don't leave me, JC. <laughs> or don't leave me, Richard. Don't leave me. So anyway, um, I am. I'm so excited about this special guest tonight. I want to make sure that I give you that we're ready for him, and he's coming on in just a few minutes. Let me give you a little bit of background about what we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if many of you heard about this case or are aware of this case. Let me put this up here on the screen for you. Uh, last year, uh, it, it became news. This actually happened in 2017, but uh, Bobby Fisher Sapp, an Orange County woman, 
is facing charges, and let me, I'll read you these charges, attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer with a firearm, attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer, three counts, three counts, two counts of attempted uh, murder of a law enforcement officer, uh, let's see, two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, a count of attempted first-degree murder there, let's see, and uh, they didn't file some other counts. So, so she has, this is, if you're watching on YouTube, this is Bobby Fisher's sap, and she looks like, like this at her, on her public records page, her mugshot page, because she was shot. Okay, no, 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 let me, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. She is charged with attempted first-degree murder, two counts of attempted first-degree murder, uh, I'm sorry, three counts of attempted-degree first-murder of a law enforcement officer, two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, uh, three counts of that. See, look, I'm, it's just crazy. And uh, she was also charged, uh, they charged her at arrest with resisting an officer uh, with violence. But in reality, Bobby Fisher was shot. So how did all of this happen? So Bobby Fisher is a, pa a woman from Winter Park, Florida, and a registered nurse with no criminal history whatsoever. And in 2017, her estranged boyfriend made a call to the police and told the police that he was concerned for Bobby's well-being. He actually made allegation that she was threatening to attempt suicide. He was very specific that she was attempting to commit suicide by cop and wanted the officers to do a health and wellness check on her. He called the 911 operator, and I'm reading it to you right now. He says, my girlfriend was threatening suicide last night. I just came to the house and trying to get in. The 911 officer asked if she was, if, if she had weapons. And the ex-boyfriend said, she is very well armed. She's threatened suicide by cop before. Sapp's ex-boyfriend tells the 911 officer, there's only one way into the house to crawl through a window, and I don't want to do that at this point. I want someone here with me. The 911 officer said, uh, I want to know if there's any weapons in the house, and Sapp's ex-boyfriend says there are enough weapons in the house to start a revolution. And so here's the story that happens. They do the wealth, health and wellness check on her. But they don't knock on the door. They don't call her house. They don't shout through a window. They actually... One officer lifted, this is the news story now, one officer lifted a kitchen window, leaned in, and used a clothing hanger to unlock the black door. No knocking, okay? Nothing. 
We're going to creep in the door in the middle of the night. Now let's be clear. This is a registered nurse with no criminal record. There is no evidence that she has ever attempted suicide, that she has contemplated uh, attempting suicide. There is no other family member or anyone that is coming forward and, and, and corroborating what this ex-boyfriend said. By the way, he didn't even tell them he was her ex-boyfriend. And on this testimony alone, on this phone call alone, they didn't go to the boyfriend's house and talk to him. They don't even have any evidence that he actually was her boyfriend. But on this testimony alone, these officers in the nighttime broke, I mean, you and I, this would be breaking and entering, okay? Opened a kitchen window, unlocked the back door with a coat hanger, and then three officers went into the house through the living room and finally to, to uh, Bobby Sapp's bedroom where she was sleeping. Okay, she is sleeping. Now the officer, a 23 veteran with the Winter Park Police Department, said, we're yelling at her to, you know, let us see your hands, let us see your hands. It is the middle of the night. The woman is sleeping. Can you imagine being in your bed in the middle of the night, being awakened by, out of a deep sleep, by three men. You're a woman, you live by yourself. With three men screaming at you, let me see your hands let me see your hands. Now here's the kicker. Brenda, uh, Bobby Sapp says, I didn't have my glasses on. I'm legally blind. I couldn't identify anybody, but I remember there being shadows, figures standing in my room. She said they pulled the covers off me. And the officer says at the point when they pulled the covers off of her, she came up with a handgun and pointed it at them. He's like, oh my God, at the point where we pulled the covers off her, she immediately came up with a handgun and pointed it at us. Now, Bobby Sapp admits that she sleeps with two guns. She said she and her ex-boyfriend had been in a fight the night before and she feared him. And then they tase her. She still has no idea what is going on. She's pointed, the officer says she still pointed the gun at us and then comes back towards me and then goes back towards Lieutenant Bologna and, and Officer Eller and I fired around. He shot her. Bobby Saps, it does said, it doesn't make any sense they would come in that way unless they were lied to by somebody that was using this well-being check as a tool to put me in harm's way. Now here's the thing. Two years later, she's up for trial and facing life in prison. Facing life 
in prison. And so I want you guys to see this is not just me. All right? I want you to know what's going on. I mean, I think common sense and a little bit of human decency would tell you that this is not how people act. But I want to introduce you to my guest. His name is Joseph Estet. And I'm going to Skype him in. I'll say a quick prayer with me right now. Oops. While we Skype him in. And I can make sure that this is all working. So I'm calling him right now. And we'll see how this works. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Can you see me? Um, we're working on it. It's coming through. So just give me one second, Joe. We're live on the air. And oh. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I promise. Let's see. Let's see how this. Oh, there you are. Woohoo! I did. I did. JC is actually out getting some training somewhere else today, so it's just me. And it's it's I'm 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 I always tell people I'm driving my submarine without without JC. So it'd be like you operating without Marie, right? Yeah, that yeah. is correct. All You're right. 100% right. right. Okay, so I'm gonna right now, Joe. Just so you know. I'm going to switch views for everybody that's watching us on YouTube right now. And I'm going to okay, show okay. them your, your the bio on your policebrutalitymatters.com webpage so they can okay. see you, okay? Okay, no problem. Um, I Oh, look, you're still up there too. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's not going to work. Let's just... <laughs> I, I, we'll just... They already know they're supposed to have patience with me. So there you are. Okay, so yeah. what I'll do here is I will read from your bio. So Joe Ested is a law enforcement analyst, former law enforcement officer, and author of Police Brutality Matters, which brings in-depth awareness to our criminal justice system. Now, J Joe has this huge biography, right? He's, he's, he's <laughs> overly qualified to do what he does. But I want to give you a little bit of explanation why Joe does what he does. And, and it says it really well right here on his webpage. It says, his organization, Police Brutality Matters, goal is to identify bad cops and hold them accountable while supporting good law enforcement officers. His nonprofit corporation, Police Brutality Matters for Change, uh, their goal is to bring in-depth awareness and education to individuals most affected by police brutality and police misconduct with a mission to implement changes in communities affected by social and racial injustice. And so what really brought you into our view, Joe, is that you're like us. You're a very solution-oriented person. And JC has always right, right. been about, look, if we're going to talk about these issues now with, with police officers doing bad things, then we must be able to, to actually encourage good cops to speak up and say, that's not us. And that's what you do. Did I do that right? 
Yes, yeah, she, yeah, did, she an did an excellent job, job doing, doing it too. Thank you, thank you. You know, because, you know, because, you know, for, you know, a, long for time, a long time, you know, the line has been so divided. divided. Either, you have, either you have the have the police that police want to support, support all police, and then you have the anti-police, anti-police, that, anti-police, that, anti-police that, hate that hate all police. police. You know, and me you know, coming, and me from, coming the from the inner city and an environment or community that didn't like the police because they policed our community excessively aggressive because it's a poor community and it had its share of crime. Anytime you have poverty, you're going to have, poverty, have, gonna have crime. element of crime. So where so the police, where the police I guess, I guess the fault, the fault that came, that came when it came down, when to, it came down to policing that community, just like just both like sides both sides are looking at the negative apples, apples on each side, on each side they're just characterizing the entire side. So I'm so here to say, here to that, say that coming from that community, the good, the good far outweighs the bad because your poor does make you bad. And the mindset of I went in and I locked up a few bad guys and the mindset of the police of this, of whole, this community's whole community's bad, bad has caused has that, caused that mindset. mindset. And then on the flip, side, the flip of that, side of that, then you got you got the citizens saying, "Look, you have a few you have a few bad apples, so they're all bad. so they're all bad." I've been on that. I've been side. on that side. Majority of majority officers, are, officers are good. I come from, I come from a law enforcement. I have I have I have I have members that still on a job. I love law enforcement. And the perception, the perception is that all cops are bad, and that's not the case. I'm 100 sure I can prove. So, so I'm in that middle, and I'm bringing awareness to that conversation because, because most, people most people don't want to accept, you know, that that both communities, the good far outweighs the bad because the bad apples in both communities are magnified, and they take, I guess, a huge presence over the good, over the entire community. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm getting some some news from people that we have a bit of a, a bad echo. Um, I'm not sure why that's happening. It didn't happen during our uh, training or during our setup here, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't actually see it. Let me see if I can do this. Uh, all right, so Joe, what yeah. I want you to do is go ahead. Let's just keep going a little bit, and I'm going to try on my end to clear this up. And yeah. we'll yeah. we'll see we'll see exactly what's happening. Um, when when you first started, I heard it when you first started talking. Whatever you did, it cleared up. So I don't know if it's still currently still an echo. But when you first started, I was having a problem because it was a bad echo. Whatever you did, it actually fixed the problem. So I don't know if the listeners could inform you if the is the problem still current or did it clear itself up. Okay, I will. I will see, but we'll we'll just keep going at the moment and and see what happens. Uh, I think that maybe I might have fixed the problem, but we're not sure. Um, okay. Okay, so um, I wanted to talk to you about the Winter Park woman. Yeah. 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 So I think I fixed it. Okay, that's okay, good. That's yeah, good. You did a good I job. So. I, you know what? You this did a is, good job without Yeah, yeah well, 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 that all remains to be seen. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And I do apologize for the echo in the beginning, but I'm, I'm fixing it. All right. So I want to talk to you about this event in Winter Park. And mm-hmm. you and I talked, I sent you the article, and you and I talked about it just briefly. But I've already given mm-hmm. them the background about how this was a wellness check, how she was called, how the police were called 911. It was 911 called by her, her um, ex-boyfriend. Now, when you told, when we talked about this previously, you said, "Oh my goodness, this—they did everything wrong, 
right? That's right. So the That's officers right. broke into her house, right? Yes. This, Joe, tell me if I'm right. This is worse than a no-knock raid. You're right. That's You're right. That is. Exactly You're exactly right. Because they didn't even announce their arrival. No, no, no. You you didn't even announce who you were. And that, not the information that you received that you sent me, it said that we told we we, we, we announced ourselves outside of the door. And then when we climbed, we broke into this lady's house, we didn't announce ourselves. I don't what is what is your how are you legally able to break into somebody's house? I mean, there is exigent circumstances that allows you to run in without a warrant. But just the mere fact that they're inside the house was totally wrong. But, okay, they're going to say, and this is how it is, because of the circumstances of she might have a gun. So we took the extra, the further step into going inside to check. So you're wrong out the gate. But once you're inside, what about the announcement? Police, police, is anybody home? Police. You want to let that person know that you are the police inside their right. home. That's just a big safety factor. If I'm asleep and I hear noise going on, the first thing I'm going to do is grab my gun. Right. And you're trained to do that. You're trained to, as you're in some, somebody's house, they don't know you there, you always want to announce who you are. Police, police, is anybody home? Police, and you're checking. Just even when I received calls to go into homes that was left uh, unsecure, door open, you're going through the whole house yelling police. Police, is anybody home? I'm coming in. And as once you get inside, you're still announcing yourself. You have no idea who's in that house. But the last thing you want to do is scare somebody that's in that house and they don't know that you are the police. Because you will get shot. Like, I mean, that's textbook officer safety. What the thing that like, that was just me, everything about that was the bad. The thing that concerns me, Joe, is the fact that this was a wellness check. There was no probable yeah. cause for crime. There no, was no, no evidence no. that she, she had no criminal record at all. And this was just simply the entrance into her home, very secret, very covertly, based on the testimony of someone. Uh, one person on a 911 call. Now, let me ask you, right. from a law enforcement perspective, would that make you uneasy to, I mean, you're operating just on what one person tells you? You're going into someone's house in the middle of the night? Yeah, it, it would make me very uneasy, and I wouldn't go in someone's house just on what somebody tells me. You have to corroborate everybody's story, and just the mere fact that this guy is saying that, oh, I received a call hours ago, and the person said they want to commit themselves. You know, if that if that's the case, I can call in each neighbor in my neighborhood and say, look, look, uh, you know, the neighbor told me that they want to. No, it doesn't work that way. Even on, and this remind me of when somebody calls and says that um. You know, this person has they thinking about committing suicide. I can't green warrant that person just on what this person said. I got to go and investigate it myself. I got to talk to the individual. A green warrant is just a, a mental warrant to get an evaluation to see if this person um, is, is, is at risk of doing harm to themselves. I can't even go on the another person's. Uh, uh, statement, statement that this person is going to commit commit suicide. I have to go and then give my own assessment. I got to go. Hey, how you doing? You feeling all right? You know, one of your friends, your family has told me that you want to do, you want to hurt yourself. Is, is that true? You want to hurt yourself? I have to really get an assessment because they're about to get a warrant on them, and that person is not qualified to actually give that assessment. So just the mere fact that the phone call was given and said that this person, and then they had no 
they had they didn't even have a victim nobody on the other side to assess then you get there you go you're not gonna do as the police officer police police nobody's home you asked this it was a 9-1 call you can you get a call back is there anybody else that can come to the location can somebody come open the door can you bring the person there's no way you can break into somebody's house just on that little bit of information. I, I look at that as a breaking, like an unlawful entry. I, I would have never went in that house. That's and, and I think you bring up a good point because there is a, in, in, in I believe in every state, there is a way, in Florida we call them Baker Acts. There's a way to, mm-hmm. to obtain a warrant to take someone into custody for mental evaluation. This mm-hmm. didn't even rise to the level of obtaining no. a warrant. They, they just correct. simply went on a phone call and ba- mm-hmm. based on a phone call from someone they did not personally interview, Joe, they did not personally yeah. interview that person on the other line. They had no idea that he was actually an ex-boyfriend. They didn't even bother, and here's the thing, they didn't even bother to call her house. They didn't even bother to try to call her. And the thing that gets me is that now we've got this implication uh, that, well, no, it's more than an implication. She is now facing life in prison because she pulled a gun on them and the officer shot, tased her and shot her. How is... How is it now as a me, me as a former prosecutor, there is no way I am bringing these charges against someone. And the fact that these charges have been pending and are set for trial here in my home state of Florida, where I was a prosecutor, is just outrageous to me. And I'm wondering, Joe, and I don't know, maybe you know, do you think that the prosecutor is trying to cover for the officer because the officer actually shot this woman and they shouldn't even have used the, 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 the means by which they did to enter into her house? That their, like yeah. you said, their presence yeah. in her house was not, lawfully, uh, uh, was not lawfully obtained. And so you think, because this is what I'm thinking, that the prosecutor is trying to cover for this officer so he doesn't get in trouble? Yeah, I mean, we've seen and we've talked about when prosecutors do that. This could actually be one of those cases because if the prosecutor just dismissed the charges or didn't even proceed with uh, an indictment, the officer will be hung out the dry, right out the gate. So let it play out in court and then see what happens. I mean, I don't see how any prosecutor looking at the elements of this case would feel comfortable pre- proceeding in a courtroom everything about this is just right. wrong well, everything if I, about this is wrong. if i'm a defense attorney i'm loving this case if i'm yeah. a defense yeah. attorney i'm saying no plea deal we're taking this baby straight to uh, to jury yeah. trial because she's she's legally blind without her glasses they woke her up in the middle yeah. of the night the officers pulled the covers off of her She's legally blind. She 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 tells the news that she sleeps with guns because her ex boy. She's afraid of her ex boyfriend, the very same guy who made the call. You know what I would do, Joe? If I were this prosecutor, I would drop the charges on her, and I would file charges of a false nine one one call against her boyfriend. What about what about what about breaking an entry in the offices? They literally had nothing. Yeah. 
they had nothing. Well, but like you literally just broke into somebody's house. Like there, there was no lawful. There's nothing, and you know, you want to see our officers do the right thing. You want to support them, but when they do wrong, we need to hold them accountable. Because I don't know how many times as an officer myself, I would get blamed for something a bad officer would done. So bad policing hurts good officers. I get a lot of support now than I, when I first started saying, yeah, yo, you're exactly right. Because I, I look at us, don't you get tired of getting blamed for bad policing? And then the culture of policing wants us to support bad policing? Like, these guys were wrong. They literally broke into somebody's house and shot. Well, well let me ask you a question, like, Joe, they, about training. Because the article that reports this says that the officer in charge that day was a 26-year veteran. And you're telling me now that this is not how cops, this is not how police officers are supposed to behave. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. You know, and we talk about, you know, and you're like, I don't know about highly trained. Every officer is highly trained. He just choose not to follow his training. And I hear this argument day in and day out. Oh, we need more training. How do we know that we need more training? Because the officers are not following the training that they're given. There's nothing in the training manual that told these officers here to break into somebody's house, pull the covers back, don't announce yourself as a police officer, and then shoot the homeowner of uh, in the bed because they grabbed the gun trying to protect themselves. Everything about that was wrong. Everything yeah, and that's what really concerns me now, Joe, as we move into this era of these red flag laws. Because that's another thing. <laughs> because these that's, red flag that's laws actually now two years ago, the in Florida we didn't have the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act, which is our red flag law in Florida. But now, a year after this happened, we did. Okay, so you and I are speaking right. on terms of pre-red flag law. Pre-red flag law, mm -hmm. what these officers did is not legally, not legally justified. Entering into the home right. and, and working off of, of just one person's 911 call, okay? Right. right. No, not enough information. Because if anybody, especially cops, they train you. A 911 call, call is just a basis for you to get somewhere and yep. investigate. Nine times out of 10, the information from the call is inaccurate. They tell you that. They tell you that in the academy. They tell you that. Really? I want, wait a minute, Joe. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So I court. want you to say that again because I think that's a very important yeah. point. And if I'm a defense attorney, that's one thing I'm bringing up too. I want, yeah. you, to, I want yeah. you to say that again about yeah. what you're taught about yeah. the 911 calls. In training, in police training, they tell you do not go solely on the 911 information. The 911 call, right, is just a mere basis for you to get there to conduct an investigation. Because nine times out of 10, the person calling is not giving you the most accurate information. So don't go based on the 911 call information. You don't know how many times I, you know, and especially in, and I work low income, I work the project community. Everybody who calls the police, they want to get them there fast. They say the person has a gun. They say that all the time. So all the calls when I was in patrol, yeah, the person has a gun. They trying to get the officer to respond a lot faster. So you are taught in the academy, do not go based solely based on the 911. Yeah, get some information and then start your own investigation. Because nine times out of 10, the 911 information is inaccurate. So I want to ask you this question, Joe. In your experience in law enforcement, 
How many times did you see other officers or personally experience law enforcement being used as a tool in domestic situations? All the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. I didn't spend. I didn't spend. I spent a less than a year, and that's when I would respond to domestic calls. But when people are getting mad at each other, they use the police like you wouldn't believe to get back at each other. He hit me. He didn't hit me. Um, he said this. He did that. And then by the time you come to court, they have made up. And then now all of a sudden they're in court saying, "Uh, uh-uh, I was mad at him. Uh, uh-uh, I was mad at him." They get. You know, when you respond to domestic, you got two parties, right? That's extremely mad at each other. Right. And one is a little bit more mad than the other. But how to pay that person back is to tell the police a story that didn't exist. He hit me. He, he threatened me. He did this. He did that. You can take him in jail. I don't know how many times by the time I got to court from locking one or the other party up, the story has changed by the time we get to court. They're back together and they're looking at me like, no, he just overreacted. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, especially on domestics. Domestics is the, the, the probably the most, um, when you start talking about by the time you get to court, changed statements. Because yeah. you got normally a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and a wife mad at each other at that particular time. You got two people who love each other that just mad at each other. And it gets to the point to where I'm going to use the police officer, the police to actually get back at you. So I'm going to say you hit me. I'm going to say you did something to me that will get you removed or get you locked up for that particular moment and then by the time you come to court they're back together and things are fine well you also have you know baby mama mad at baby daddy because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing or baby daddy bad at baby mama and i can't tell you as a prosecutor how many times you know you see this come through and and we knew nine times out of ten that you wouldn't even if you had a good case you were never going to take these things to trial because one side or the other is going to back out, refuse to testify, change their mind Mm -hmm. because either they're Mm -hmm. back in love again or somebody's made a promise or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, and the reason that I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this again, because this woman is still waiting trial. She is charged with attempted murder for pointing her gun at people that she didn't even know were law enforcement officers. She's a, a she's she's got uh, a, two or three charges of attempted murder of law enforcement, two or three charges of of attempted aggravated battery on law enforcement, and she's waiting trial for this. And what they did was not even lawfully uh, allowed under the law. But now we have these red flag laws. Now we have by law judges giving warrants based on anonymous phone calls. Right, and I think that's bad. I think we're going down a very a very wrong direction because you're not even telling the officer to go investigate to see if there's a potential uh, risk of somebody um, doing harm. You're just basing it off a 911 call. And what got me with the red flag laws, the officer's supposed to go and get an order from the mm-hmm. court. He don't supposed to make that call according to the, the the wording when you start talking about red flag laws. 
like I don't I don't even understand how me right as a citizen I can just say look I'm mad at my neighbor or or, or friend and go yeah he said he was going to commit suicide that officer should have to investigate that not automatically go and take the person's gun and then all of a sudden you now you have to prove as a citizen that you are are able to actually go and obtain a gun and you're not mentally disturbed and you're not bothered by any why am I the citizen now have to prove it when you got information that you should be investigated I don't even I don't even I don't even understand as an officer and you still have contact with officers as well yes wouldn't you know me as personally I'm not gonna feel real comfortable coming up trying to take somebody's firearms from someone I mean, seriously, yeah. I think for me, as a law enforcement officer, I'd be angry about these laws and say, look, why are you making me your gun collection agent? You're putting mm-hmm. my life on the line. Right. Mm-hmm. When yeah. we should be and talking you know, about doing this through due process. At least, it's like you said, at least put someone on notice. Call them right. in a hearing. Right. Say, look, we're going to have a hearing. These accusations have come against you. The accusations right. are that you are, want to hurt somebody. You want to. You give somebody a summons to appear to answer right. for themselves. If they that's don't correct. appear, that's a whole nother story. But you give them an opportunity to appear before you show up at their house and start demanding to take guns from them. Now, I yeah. didn't send you this article, but I wanted to. I wanted to share this with you while we still are on the air, and I'm not sure because I know you stay plugged into this stuff, so I don't know if you've seen it or not. But recently, the we had the first person to be convicted under Florida's red flag firearm laws, and he's facing now. He was convicted. He's facing up to five years in prison. Wow. So he hasn't been sentenced yet. Okay. So Deerfield Beach, Florida, man, he, um, he was actually, let's see, yeah, his name is Jaron Smith, he's 33 years old, who was accused of failing to allow law enforcement officials to confiscate his weapons under this red flag law. So first off, they come to him under this accusation no crime, just under the accusation that he uh, was, uh, no probable cause, I should say, that he was under an accusation that he was involved in a situation with guns. The officers show up and they say, okay, you have to hand us your guns. He says, why do I have to hand you your gu- my guns? What probable cause do you have? You know, because forever, hasn't that been the standard? What's your probable cause? I mean, that's what the Fourth Amendment says. You have to have probable cause. Right. Are right. you guys and not that, trained and, then? And it should be. No, and it should be. Yes, you are You are trained for probable cause. But from what you're telling me, because the the state that I police in, we didn't have red flag laws, and that's pretty. That's something pretty new. But reading red flag laws, it, it, shouldn't it be investigated by the officer and then he does in turn go to the court to get uh, a warrant? To, re- to recover the property? Well, that would, I don't be, understand. Due, that would I, be due process, but here's the real kicker, Joe, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that. The reason that the criteria is diminished, right, the standard is not probable cause. It's merely an accusation by an anonymous person. You don't even have to be crazy. identified. It's an accusation yeah. by an anonymous person because the red flag laws operate 
under civil law. So it's a civil action, like wow. being sued. But here's the thing, defying the civil order is a criminal act. Punishable to five years in prison, not jail time, not a fine, but five years in prison for failing to comply with a civil order. And so all he did was question him. He, he actually, he can't be too much of a criminal, Joe. He's got a concealed weapons permit uh, yeah. issued by the so state of Florida. So he had a background, so he had a background yeah. check. He had a background check. Where's the NRA with this? I mean, you would think this would be a big fight for them. Well, I don't understand. Here in Florida, there should be some... it's a little bit weird because in Florida, our NRA is not really pro-gun ownership, um, individual gun ownership. Our, our The wow. NRA here in Florida has done more to interfere with the individual rights of people to keep and bear arms than it's done to actually secure. And I don't know how it is in other states because chapters are different state by state. You know, you have there right. is a national group, right? And they're good right. and bad depending right. on the chapters, but our Florida chapter is not good. Our Florida chapter actually, uh, they actually, here's the thing. I think they make money off litigation. So they encourage uh, legal and the legislation that actually gives them the opportunity to have litigation. Wow. So, and you you know what it is? The people of Florida, the citizens of Florida need to be more aware about what you are talking yeah. about. Because you can get your guns taken from you just like that, according to a red flag. Well, in Florida, and it's even worse. That, I, don't, that, I don't know how it is in Georgia. But in Florida, the, our red flag laws also made it illegal for anyone from ages 18 to 21 to possess firearms, even in their home. So in, if you're, if you're uh, between the ages of 18 and 21 in Florida, you can legally get married, you can have a house, you can get a mortgage, you can have a family, you can become a police officer, you can join right. the military, right. but you can't personally have a firearm to protect yourself in your house. You're a criminal if you do. So we've right. Something's definitely wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Something is definitely wrong with that. Well, I don't want to keep and you forever, me. Joe. Are you? Do you have to go? Can I have you for a few more minutes, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. okay. So go the other thing that I wanted to tell you about this 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 man here in in Deerfield uh, Beach, Florida, uh, Mr. Uh, Jaron Jaron Smith, he questions the officers at the door, and says, "No, I don't." I've got a concealed permit. Why do I have to give you my guns? And his refusal got him arrested. He's facing five years in prison. Here's the thing that makes me crazy, Joe, and I'm just looking from another professional opinion here. The prosecutor's name is Diana Korean, and it's spelled she, I don't know if I'm I'm saying it right, but it's spelled C-H-I-O-R-E-A-N. So I'm guessing it's a, not a ch, it's a cut. Said Smith, Mr. Smith, was well aware of his rights and responsibilities under the law because the deputies who confronted him told him. I'm not buying that. Well, they have it on camera, but it doesn't matter. How can you claim? Here's my, here's my question, Joe. If the standard of people being informed on their legal obligation is what an officer tells them standing at the front door, what is the protection of the people? 
For me, I I find that hard to believe because officers don't like to be questioned. So if they can legally support a, a charge, they're going to do it. And I don't have to give you an explanation. I've worked in different agencies. I work with, I was a part of a federal task force, so I got to work with people from different agencies. And, you know, the mindset of, you're just going to do what I told, that, that pretty extends from state to state. You know, you're just going to do what I'm told. You start asking questions. You got some officers that don't mind answering it but for the most part officers don't like to be challenged especially by a citizen when you're actually the one there uh, enforcing something on that citizen you know so i could see them like okay why wait a minute i got a concealed weapons permit you can't do that you tell an officer he can that's why i tell a lot of people when i'm speaking to kids officers if you challenge their authority by saying you can't do that you're just going to up the ante with the officer. He's going to definitely now feel the need to put you in handcuffs and take you to jail to prove that I can do that. Right, and that's why so we need to tell people, to... look, and we've yeah. talked about this on your show, Joe. Look, uh, you, right. you can question the officer. You can ask him, what law is it that I'm violating, right? Right. right. But the bottom mm-hmm. line is this. If he wants to arrest you, he's going to arrest you. So don't get shot is over it. You can right. I tell people that all the time. Over it. It's a way to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to fight. You go whether... back civilly and you sue them for wrongful <laughs> arrest. Yes. Right. And that I'm is not, correct. I never tell anybody don't challenge because I think it's important that we say to the officers, look, you have to ask them, what law am I violating? How am I violating mm-hmm. the law? It's even I, we even create flyers for people to to give to officers that talk about Supreme Court law, that talk about um, uh, your rights and that sort of thing. But that's the bottom good. line that's is, good. don't 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 die over this. This is not worth dying over mm-hmm. because you don't win anything yeah. if you die. And if you die, it's their that's story right. that goes on because you're not alive to tell yours. And what you do is then you sue them civilly because a civil lawsuit is the worst thing that can happen to a law enforcement officer professionally because yeah. yeah. you you then the taxpayers have to pay what happens and you're yes. and, and and then you lose your job yeah and that tab is over a billion dollars people need to understand that and a lot of people don't understand that say that again I joe tell us what that is your your taxpaying dollars for bad policing is now over a billion dollars and if you are someone who's not affected by police brutality because it didn't happen to you or anybody you know, just take a just take take a look at where your tax dollars is going. It's now over a billion dollars for bad policing. So if you don't care that it affected, you don't think it affects you personally. It actually do. It, it actually does. Well, that and, and, and people that's... need to be aware of that. People yeah. need to be aware of that. I tell people all the time: you know, the police did the police did that. Do not fight the police on the side of the road. If you want to challenge them, there's a way to challenge it, but you have to stay alive. Your win, your turn is in the courtroom, not on the side of the road. That's right. You won't lose on the side of the road. I'm 100% sure. You will lose your fight on the side of the road. Right, because on the side of the road, the officer is the judge, jury, and executioner. That's correct. You you have no due process on the side of the road, so you can make your case. Not at all. But the bottom (laughs) line is... You go ahead and you you get arrested. You go to jail. You and then you sue. 
because that's where you're that's right. And I'm going to tell you what, I know at least right now four, four uh, lawyers who make their living off of representative people for wrongful arrests. Wow. wow. And so this is, there are plenty of people out there that will help you. And when you are suing an officer, uh, suing, you're actually suing the government, remember, because the taxpayers are paying it, not the officer. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and let me tell you a little secret before It, will, it before won't we cost go. you anything. Your lawyer doesn't charge you because then the, the county has to pay or the city or the state has to pay the your lawyer fees in these. Officers, officers don't care about lawsuits. I'm going to tell you right now, officers do not care about lawsuits. I've, I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've stopped officers being accessible. I was like, yo, yo, chill, chill. He's like, what? They're going to sue? Lay, let the city cut the check. It doesn't come out of my pocket. So if you ever want to know why it's over $1,000, that mindset has carried from state to state. And I've traveled over to Afghanistan with 119 officers to build a police program um, for a training center. And the police force from all over the United States. And the mindset is, hey, let the taxpayers pay. Until the, the penalties start coming out of their pockets, they're not concerned with lawsuits. I've actually seen officers say, go ahead and sue. You might, you might get a little payday. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but here's the thing. That's where we're missing as as members of yeah. the community, because yeah. just the fact that our tax dollars pay these people and pay these lawsuits, we have to become more involved, and we start. We have to know to learn that we have an, a billion dollars out now of taxpayer dollars for uh, the actions of bad officers. That should waken up watchdogs in our communities to say, look, we need yeah. to get involved here. We need to know when this happens. And when this happens with officers, we need to demand that they are no longer officers. Yeah. We need yeah, to that, make you are them care. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're 100% right. I did a video um, not too long ago, and I pretty much highlighted the, the the amount of tax dollars was being spent per city. Like New York had 150 or well, 450 million. Um, Chicago had um, 485. I just I highlighted Baltimore. It's over a billion dollars. So just think about it, right? Not only that, we're paying right these payouts. We're paying the salary. So it's it's a double it's a it's a double penalty. I'm paying the officer to go out and violate somebody's rights, not follow their training procedures. Then I have to pay for him not following. Then I have to pay the officer who caused the payout. A lot of people don't understand that the money is it's it's, it's an enormous amount of money that we're spending for bad policing. And don't get me wrong, my target is bad policing, but we have way more good cops than we do bad. But the bad cops has caused havoc to the whole police culture they they, they, they really have yeah. this over a billion dollars that's that's a representative of bad policing that's right that's a representative of bad policing well and that's why we want to try to bring that. this stuff in the, into the light because we have to be as a society you have to have a habit of of actually we've got to start calling out people and we need to we need to um can, you, we need to encourage people who are doing good, but we also need to discourage the bad by pointing it out. And as a prosecutor, mm -hmm. former prosecutor, I knew plenty of police officers who were not doing their job well, and they and they were mm -hmm. covered for. Part of the problem, I think, and and this is going to make some people mad, but part of the problem, I think, is the the police unions. 
the police unions cover for bad officers and make it difficult for us to 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 you know um, clear the wheat wheat from the chaff as it were to clear the good from the bad and and it and like you said for people like you it makes the good officers very angry because now they're all lumped in one bad apple spoils the whole basket yeah yeah that's exactly right that's why i designed and i know we're going to cause a lot of people a lot of hard feelings the bad cop bill and i sent it over to yep. you and i want you to look over it and we can see if we can introduce it on the floor and this bad cop bill People need to understand it's not for good. Good cops like accountability. Bad cops don't. I don't know one bad. I don't know one good cop who hates cameras. Good cops say they can they can follow me all day long. I'm I'm following the rules. I'm following the procedure. I'm following the law. I have nothing to hide. Bad cops don't like cameras. Right. They do not like cameras because cameras expose bad cops. It really do. So I'm hoping that you know it. Good cops embrace the bad cop bill because it protects them. It makes their job easier. Yeah. Because the culture of policing, what it does is it gives a certain culture that you have to protect everybody within it. They don't want the separation, good and bad. And the union promotes that. It's us against them. It's us against them. That's what the union promotes. Instead of saying coming out saying, you know, everywhere you go, you have bad apples. We work hard to try to eliminate it. Um, we're sorry for the officer's actions, but he's currently being removed. No, we, as the union official, we get all the officers to come rally, to come and try to support bad policing. And that's wrong. And that's why we have the divide that we have in the community versus the police. You know, I'm getting more and more support from officers. They're going, yo, I love what you're doing. And it's never been done before. You're asking the general public to weed out our bad apples. You're saying there's a lot of good ones there. We the good ones. We want to, we wanted the bad ones weeded out as well. But the union that supports all of us supports them. So you, it's, it's hard for a good officer to come out against a bad officer. Right, right. Well, Joe, I just want to tell everybody uh, who you are, where you come from. Again, this is Joe Estad. He, you actually have um, a book called yes. Police yes. Brutality Matters. It is available on Amazon. Uh, oh, look at that. You brought, you have a copy with you. There you go. Police Brutality right. Matters by Joseph Estad. Should I call you Joseph? Mm -hmm. I know you as Joe. <laughs> Yeah, how are you? That's fine. Joe, Joseph, how are you? So you, you can know, get his cool. book on Amazon. You can also find him at policebrutalitymatters.com. And mm -hmm. I just, I want to thank you so much, Joe, for, for joining us here today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their patience with me as I've gone through this this uh you know driving the submarine without without jc and and uh yes. dealing with these issues but I, I this has been such a great show and i just want to mention to everybody before we say goodbye to joe uh if you if you want to follow joe he is on instagram you do instagram live a lot and yes two days two days a week wednesdays and sundays on instagram at Police Brutality Matters. We um, have live conversations. Chris has been a part of the conversations. And we, you know, bring to the audience what's police brutality, what's not, and the right and wrong. I mean, I've been a tactical police instructor, so I know a little bit more about 
the protocols and the use of force continuum, when to apply it, when not to apply it. And we have these conversations. I'm trying to open up this conversation so we understand we have good officers, we have bad. That's something that's never been done before. Most people who love officers, they love all officers, including the bad ones. And that is exactly what the problem is. We need to say, you know what? I love good officers, but I want to hold the bad ones accountable. And Chris, you are doing an amazing job with your show. You're very, very, very informative. The information you give is excellent. It's well needed. So I appreciate your platform and what you do. You have me now watching you and learning a lot <laughs> that I didn't know on on the on the, on the uh, constitutional side. Because there's a lot to it. There's a lot to policing. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of officers don't understand that. They think you got your gun and your badge and you're on the job. But yeah, to do the job right, you got to follow the rules. Right. You got to follow the law. There's, there's rules to this. Well, and, you know, I'd just like to thank you for your work and your time and your effort because, you know, you're, you're amazing. The information you're giving is, is excellent. And I appreciate you, Chris. Anytime you need me on the show, I'll be more than happy to come on. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe. I just want to let you know that in our chat room here in YouTube, people are loving on you and they're so happy that we've introduced you. you. So uh, expect to see a few people from our show uh, in your next uh, broadcast there on uh, Instagram TV. And... Uh, thank you again for coming, and I've posted your website on the in the chat room, and I'll go ahead and post it in the show notes as well. So thank you, Joe. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Thank you, audience. Love you guys. Be safe. <laughs> All right. Wasn't Joe awesome? I mean, seriously, I'm so glad that we were able to have Joe with us, um, and I'm glad that uh, we got our sound issues all figured out. And uh, we are going to try to have more guests uh, as we, we get better at this because I think guests make better shows too because then, hey, you get to hear from people other than us. And we're, JC and I are always telling you, look, we are experts in what we do. I don't really classify myself as an expert either because I'm a student always learning. But we do know what we know and there's other things that, 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 that sort of... Um, feather into what we know and we like to bring other people in to teach you on this now and this is sort of new and your support I'm going to put this up there text impact 2020 your support is what makes this possible don't forget now on YouTube we have the super chat you can donate through super chat you can also donate by texting impact 2020 and you can go to chrisannhall.com and donate there. And I just want to, uh, again, you're not hearing this stuff anywhere else. And Joe is one of the good guys. And we want to bring you the people that are on the liberty side. We have a lot to teach each other. Um, somebody asked me a, a question in the chat room about suing the officer instead of the county. That's part of the problem, by the way. Uh, officers, according to our current, oh my goodness, court system, based on precedent, not based on constitution, neither state nor federal constitution, not based on the standard of liberty, but the precedent has now applied these things called qualified immunity that says an officer, can, an individual officer cannot be held accountable for what they do on the job if there was no law to tell them that they were doing wrong. We've covered this on the show before, the Fresno police officers uh, 
who stole money from from two people, right? So the people were accused of a crime. They went into their house and seized all of their stuff by warrant, mind you. Over $250,000 in cash and then also another uh, couple hundred dollar, hundred thousand dollars in coins. Well, these Fresno police officers only put $50,000 in cash into the uh, Fresno uh, evidence locker and pocketed the rest. So when these two individuals were cleared of their charges and do all their property back, they only got $50,000 back because that's all the evidence room said they had. So they brought charges against the police officers and the federal court, it went through the state, went through the local, went through the state, the federal court said that you cannot sue these officers for theft because there was no law, no judge telling them that it was wrong for them to steal what they've taken by warrant. No, I didn't say that wrong. I know it's hard to hear because it's absolutely and completely ridiculous. But what we have is the system protecting the system's evils. Well, if the officers can steal, then the court, uh, uh, you know, the, the court officers can steal, the judges can steal. You can have all of this stuff. I mean, it all starts with the legalization of uh, civil asset forfeiture to begin with. But this is a whole new show. Uh, we'll cover that some other time. Uh, we're a little bit over time, and I'm about to be on Quite Frankly tonight. So I am a special guest, those of you who know Quite Frankly. I will be on Quite Frankly tonight in just a few minutes talking about the War Powers Act. And uh, I'm typing it in here, talking about the War Powers Act. So when you leave me here on YouTube, go straight to Quite Frankly, and you will see me there. Now, I want to bring this stuff to your, to your eyes, by the way, because this is only going to get worse with the legalization of these things through the red flag laws. What these officers did to this young woman, to this, to this nurse, I, I don't even know how the state of Florida can still bring charges against her. I hope that the jury just throws it completely out. But now through in Florida and other states, these red flag laws, breaking into someone's house and taking their stuff without a warrant, without notice, in, are a lawful warrant because the red flag laws give warrants, but they're not lawful. They're based on anonymous. They're not held up to probable cause. It's all based on fear, accusation, and uncorroborated testimony of unidentified people. It's only going to get worse with this stuff, and we as a community need to get involved. We need to get with our legislators to repeal these red flag laws. We need to get together with our communities to protect our people from this unlawful denials of due process and liberty. So thank you everybody for having me, uh, t for joining me today. Thank you. Don't forget Joe Estet at Police Brutality Matters. And don't forget to switch over to Quite Frankly. Uh, we will see you next time. God bless everybody.